Did you buy the dip? Did you score some of that $17,000 Bitcoin? Well, if you didn't, buck up, because instead of trying to catch the falling knife, that's what dollar cost averaging is for. And today is DCA Wednesday. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. sexy sat stackers and welcome to the latest edition of the bitcoin bulletin podcast today is wednesday june 22nd 2022 and as we mentioned that means it is dca wednesday a lot has happened since our last episode last week not the least of which is what many are calling the juneteenth crash the day that bitcoin did what it has never done before and went below its previous all-time high uh there certainly is a lot to discuss there, but first, let's take a look at the vital statistics. As of the time of this recording, we are sitting at a block height of 741,891. Bitcoin is ringing in at 19,956 US dollars for Bitcoin, or 5,011 sats per dollar. If you want to trade shiny metal rocks for Bitcoin, your little yellow rocks, your gold coins. It's going to cost you 10.8 ounces of gold to buy just one Bitcoin. And one Bitcoin will currently purchase you 1,196 Papa John's pizzas. If you want to purchase oil for Bitcoin, one barrel of oil is going to cost you 558,225 sats. And I know the market capitalization of Bitcoin is a contentious metric, but it is currently down another 20, more than 25 billion since last week, currently sitting at a, at a market capitalization of 380.6 billion. And that is significantly below the more than 1 trillion market cap that Bitcoin had achieved at its all-time high. The mempool is about as full as it was last week. It's going to take approximately five blocks to clear the current number of transactions that are pending in Bitcoin's mempool. However, one sat per byte transactions will still clear in a day, as has been consistently the case. I know a long time ago, uh, others, including Matt O'Dell, were saying that we would never see one sat per byte transactions again, uh, but he has since obviously admitted he was wrong. Uh, currently, to guarantee that your transaction is included in the next block, that is recommended that you pay a fee of 17 sats per byte, and that is down a little bit from last week when it had gone all the way up to 21 sats per block per byte. Uh, and that is probably because that metric that you know I love to follow, the 24-hour transaction rate, has fallen significantly since last week. As you know, I like to see on-chain transactions exceed three transactions per second, ideally exceed 3.14 transactions per second, as I like to say, pi or die. Last week, we were humming along at 3.2 transactions per second, and this week, we're at an anemic 2.94 transactions per second. 
Of course, that is on-chain activity, as we always mention. That doesn't include trading going on purely on exchanges where people are not moving their Bitcoin to their personal custody. As you know, that is a no-no. Hopefully, none of you are doing that. Hopefully, all of you have your Bitcoin in cold storage on your own wallets, hopefully on a hardware wallet, especially after everything we've seen happen this last month. But nonetheless, uh, 2.94 transactions per second is a fairly anemic uh, on-chain volume, and we have not seen that in well over a month. So uh, hopefully, um, well, I mean, that, that can be good or bad. It also could mean not a lot of people are selling. People aren't moving their their Bitcoin onto exchanges to dump either. So maybe we're in a lull. And we kind of have been in a lull price-wise after Bitcoin tanked all the way down to 17000 something. It rebounded to almost 22000 I believe, somewhere in the upper 21000 range. And it's been hovering right around $20,000 um, since then for the last couple of days. Uh, and speaking of the Bitcoin blockchain, we just had a mining difficulty adjustment. In fact, we had a mining difficulty adjustment just three blocks ago, and that was a downward difficulty adjustment of 2.4%. That means it's gotten 2.4% easier for Bitcoin miners to mine a block, uh, and that is because hash rate has fallen about 2.4%. Um, we Because we're only three blocks into the new difficulty um epic. It's kind of hard to tell what the next difficulty adjustment is going to look like. Obviously, three blocks isn't enough to come up with a reliable average. Um, But depending where you get your data, uh, we're looking at a difficulty increase anywhere from 0.03% to a whopping 23%. Obviously, that 23% is probably not going to happen. The different estimators use different time frames for making um, for making their prediction on what the increase or decrease is going to look like. But again, we've only had three blocks come in at the new difficulty adjustment, so that is not enough to come up with a reliable average of what it's going to have been since the blocks are adjusted every 2016 blocks. Three blocks is a, it's a tiny fraction of that. But those first three blocks have been coming in at an average of six minutes and 59 seconds, and that is significantly slower than the 10 minutes uh, per block that the Bitcoin protocol is designed to shoot for. Uh, but it is not unusual to see on any given day blocks come in just seconds apart, followed by blocks that could take up to an hour. Um, so that's just the way it works out. That 10 minutes is an average. Um, and that's why it's averaged over 2016 blocks, because... Uh, If Bitcoin tried to adjust its difficulty on the fly, it would be all over the place. Um, But anyway, uh, that remains to be seen. But we did just have a negative difficulty adjustment. So for those of you mining at home or maybe mining professionally, uh, you're going to make a little bit more Bitcoin. And that, um, you know, that if you're if you're a miner, you're, you're paying attention to how many sats are ending up in your wallet every day, not necessarily to what the U.S. dollar value is, hopefully. Obviously, if you're a commercial miner and you have to make a profit, uh, the dollar value matters. But uh, even, uh, well, 2.4% more Bitcoin is going to be more uh, than it was regardless of what the price is. But for those of us stacking sats, 2.4% Bitcoin is nice. Uh, That'd be nice to see 2.4% more sats in your wallet every day, at least until the next adjustment. 
Just a reminder that we are available on your favorite podcast 2.0 app, such as the Fountain app and the Breeze Wallet. Uh, every week, we've had at least one or two people streaming us sats, and I am incredibly grateful for that. This last episode, we only had uh, one anonymous person streaming us sats, uh, so you know who you are, and thank you very much for doing so. That is much appreciated, and it's just really cool that uh, those of you out there feel it's worth your precious Satoshis uh, to tip us to reward us for doing our podcast. So thank you very much. And if you uh, haven't been listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app, maybe you would consider doing that. You do not have to stream us sats when you listen on Breeze Wallet or the Fountain app, uh, but you can. And one neat thing that it does enable you to do is it allows you to tip a one-time deal instead of, uh, instead of streaming a fixed number of sats per minute. Uh, you can hit boost and tip once or tip a couple of times during the podcast if you feel so inclined. But the neat thing about a boost is a boost is also a message. So you could type in a message and send it along with that tip uh, and let us know what you think about the podcast or say thanks or tell us off or whatever you want to do. Um, and uh, who knows, maybe we'll read those messages on the podcast if they're not completely inappropriate. Uh, I'm not going to pull a Marty Bent and read uh, an entire hexadecimal code or, uh, or say, uh, something vulgar a thousand times in a row like he's been known to do with his shout outs but uh, but if you want to just say hi and you do so uh, in an appropriate way we'll make sure to read that we'll make sure to read that message on the next podcast all right well as I mentioned Bitcoin dropped below its previous all-time high what's being called by many is the Juneteenth crash Juneteenth crash uh, Bitcoin dipped to around seventeen thousand uh, dollars I did not actually, I did buy the dip a couple of times over the weekend. I didn't actually score any $17,000 Bitcoin, um, but I did get Bitcoin uh, significantly below what it is now. I think I paid right around 18 something um, for the coin that I stacked. Uh, but that's the nice thing about dollar cost averaging is, it, they, as they say, it don't try and catch the falling knife. It's really impossible to try and time the tops or the bottoms in any market, especially in Bitcoin. So the neat thing about dollar cost averaging is while we didn't necessarily get that $17,000 low, we are buying all the way down, and that is lowering our dollar cost average, I mean, our, our average cost basis for the, um, for the cost of our Bitcoin investment. Uh, and we'll get more into that later when we actually make our purchase for today. But first of all, I want to talk about the three big things that I think are weighing on the price of Bitcoin right now. First of all, it's just that time in the cycle, uh, whether you follow you know, plan B and his stock to flow models or any other, uh, any other fortune teller out there on Reddit or Twitter. Uh, one thing that, ha that you, that has been consistent is that Bitcoin throughout its entire history has run in these four year having cycles. And this last cycle has, um, it's been a little bit different than the other cycles, but in general, it's still played out about the same. If you had been plotting out what this cycle would have looked like based on the previous cycles. We should have hit a high sometime last fall, which we did, and that we should be entering a bear market uh, around now, which which we have. So uh, it's pretty much just that time in the cycle. But the thing that makes this time different, besides the fact that the economy in general is horrible, that we've got a stock market crash, that the United States is probably entering a recession for the first time in Bitcoin's history, we also had the Terra Luna Ponzi crash, followed by the Celsius debacle. And obviously that just scared the snot out of a lot of the weekends. Uh, 
and had a lot of people, well, a lot of people either just flat out lost their Bitcoin when Terra Luna vaporized or Celsius locked them out of their accounts. Um, and a lot of people panicked and sold. And hopefully that means all those weak hands have been shaken out. And once we're left with only the strong hands and people start accumulating again, uh, well, that's when we'll start seeing the next bull run. Another factor is that miners are selling a big chunk of their stack to start covering costs. It's been reported, and I have the numbers here somewhere, um, according to an article in Decrypt, quote, publicly traded Bitcoin miners like Marathon Digital and Riot Blockchain sold more Bitcoin than they produced last month, a big step up from the fir- first four months of the year when they sold only about 30% of what they produced, according to a new report from Arcane Research. So obviously, if you've got a huge facility and rent and electricity bills to pay uh, and Bitcoin isn't worth as much, you're going to have to sell more of the Bitcoin to cover costs. So that's kind of a no-brainer. Let's say you have a fixed cost of $100 per unit uh, to run your operation and Bitcoin, uh, you need to sell $100 of the Bitcoin to cover those costs. If Bitcoin's value drops by half, now you have to sell twice as much Bitcoin to cover that same fixed cost. So so that's kind of a no-brainer. That doesn't necessarily indicate that miners are panicking. Um, that's just kind of logic. Bitcoin is dead has been one of the trending search terms on Google. Uh, numerous idiots have been calling this the end of Bitcoin. Uh, BitcoinObituaries.com has been tracking this for as long as I can remember, and they have listed the 455th time that Bitcoin has been declared dead now. Um you know, a lot of haters out there gloat uh, the 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 not to the not the not to be named golem of gold uh, pops up and and gloats about how uh, Bitcoin uh, is performing only when it when it drops, and he's been out there uh, trolling on Twitter as usual. Um, but the good thing is, when he does pop up on Twitter, that's usually a fairly reliable indicator of the bottom because he's always been wrong. Uh, and he's been wrong since uh, he's been wrong since Max Kaiser and Stacey Herbert tried to convince him to buy Bitcoin when it was only one dollar a coin. So uh, you can take that for what it's worth. Also in the what the French news, the ProShares short Bitcoin strategy ETF launched yesterday. And this ought to tell you all you need to know about the SEC's position on Bitcoin. While everybody gives Gary Gensler a huge amount of credit because he taught a Bitcoin class at MIT previously, uh, he's been doing everything he can to stall or deny or delay an actual spot Bitcoin ETF. You know, they've approved several Bitcoin futures ETFs, and now they've approved an ETF whose entire basis is that they try and make money by shorting Bitcoin. So... Uh, people are saying it's only a, time, a matter of time before we get a Bitcoin ETF, but I would not hold my breath. And I certainly wouldn't count Gary Gensler as a friend of Bitcoin. In fact, I say that an enemy that understands you is far worse than one that misjudges you. There's probably a Sun Tzu quote there that would be appropriate. But the bottom line is, um, people keep thinking that the government has not been attacking Bitcoin and that um, they've waited so long, and boy, was that a mistake. I'll tell you, the government has been attacking Bitcoin, and they, they know they can't kill Bitcoin. Back during the Obama administration, I was the, I forget who it was, it was whether it was one of the deputy attorney generals or whoever was ordered to look into how they could kill Bitcoin, 
and they came back to the administration and said you can't uh, attack it. But what they have done is they've made it almost impossible to use for daily purchases as a currency by imposing those draconian uh, capital gains taxes on every transaction you make. Uh, you know, they've put onerous cans, onerous burdenous KYC requirements on Bitcoin. They're coming after exchanges and they're coming after regulated, regulatable entities, centralized entities, on-ramps and off-ramps. Uh, and they have approved the futures ATF, the futures ETFs, which they flat out bragged were responsible for popping the 2018 bubble. So uh, there are ways that they can come after Bitcoin. They can't make it go away, but they can make it harder to use. And that seems to be what their strategy has been. Uh, and of course, once they finally do launch their central bank digital currency, uh, you can guarantee they'll make it to where you cannot use the CBDC as an on-ramp to Bitcoin. On the positive news, Binance US has announced that they've eliminated Bitcoin trading fees. You can now trade Bitcoin for free at Binance US. This is something that Jack Mahler's predicted a year ago when he called this the race to zero, when he announced that you could buy and sell Bitcoin on strike for free, that he was calling out Coinbase and the other exchanges saying, you know, you can try and lower your fees incrementally to outdo one another, but eventually it's going to be a race to zero. And one more company has done that, and that's Binance US announcing they're limiting spot trading fees for Bitcoin. Also in the somewhat positive, kind of mixed bag news, The Motley Fool is reporting that Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards has signed a law which will allow some banks to hold customers' crypto deposits for them beginning in just a few days. Now, while the phrase is, not your coins, not your Bitcoin, if you are going to be one of the idiots out there that just refuses to take custody of your own Bitcoin, um, at least you will be leaving your Bitcoin on an insured, uh, with an insured bank. Um, I well, it's it's yet to see how this will all this will, all this will work out. Whether your funds will actually be uh, FDIC insured or not, probably they will not. Um, but the bank will be backed. The chances of the bank going under without being bailed out or being absorbed by another bank are pretty slim. So maybe that'll be a slightly safer way for the average pleb to hold their Bitcoin in custody. Um, either way, anything that makes it easier for the 80 percenters to adopt Bitcoin is usually good for Bitcoin price. So while you should never keep your Bitcoin on an exchange, and that should be blatantly clear, especially in this last week with people getting locked out of their Celsius accounts, um, with the Terra Luna collapse, with just one thing after another. Uh, I think there's not a lot of people out there who've been paying even the slightest bit of attention that don't realize now the importance of holding your own Bitcoin. And speaking of Bitcoin exchanges, FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried, I know he's not a super popular figure amongst Bitcoin maxis, signed a deal to quote-unquote bail out BlockFi and Voyager offering a $250 million revolving line of credit to BlockFi and $500 million in financing to Voyager. There was a lot of speculation that BlockFi was going to be the next, the next cookie to crumble, the next, the next one to fall. Uh, you know, Corey Clipston, the Swan founder and CEO, famously called the Celsius um, collapse. Before that, he, within days, 
he tweeted um, that the Terra Luna was Terra Luna was going to explode, and it did like 24 hours or so after he posted that. Then he said that um, you know Celsius was going to be next, and lo and behold, they were. Uh, and then he started saying that, hey guys, you know, BlockFi, um, BlockFi might be number three, and a lot of people were looking at BlockFi as the the next uh, the next possible domino to fall. Um, and whether or not that was going to happen, um, there was a lot of panic when they when BlockFi sent out an email on Thursday saying that because of the Juneteenth holiday, any withdrawals that you were going to submit weren't going to be processed until Tuesday. Uh, and uh, that may, who knows, maybe that was a play to buy them some time to figure out what they were going to do with this new, um, with this new arrangement from, from uh, FTX founder, Bank, Sam Bankman-Fried. But most likely, hey, Juneteenth was a federal holiday. Banks were closed on Juneteenth. The post office closed on Juneteenth. Uh, BlockFi has always been closed on federal holidays. So that was just normal. Uh, that wasn't there wasn't anything difficult or different about that this time. The only thing was, I can imagine for BlockFi customers, it would have been a little spooky, based on the environment with Celsius uh, freezing customers' accounts just days prior to that. But who knows? Maybe uh, BlockFi will live to fight another day. Um, I'm not a BlockFi show, and they're not a sponsor of the show. But one of the things I do think was different between BlockFi and Celsius is that, to my knowledge. BlockFi doesn't have their own shitcoin. You know, Celsius had their Celsius coin, and that was part of what helped derive helped them derive their quote unquote their yield. Um, BlockFi has other lines, other uh, other avenues of income, other sources of revenue. They have their Visa credit card, where um, you spend money and you get a certain percent cash back. But obviously, they're making money on that. So who knows? Um, I wouldn't recommend keeping your coins with any custodian, but uh, maybe we see BlockFi emerge from the dust as the uh, the only yield provider left standing. Only time will tell, and um, not financial advice, but don't keep your coins on BlockFi. Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, released a short video on his at TechBalt Twitter feed this afternoon. Uh, again, his regular YouTube channel, uh, has been producing videos intermittently. Uh, months and months ago, he said he wasn't going to make any more videos unless he was paid to do so, and he requires $100 an episode in donations or tips or sponsorship before he'll produce a video. And I think he said he's still $83 away from being able to come up with another video, but he did release a short two-minute video on Twitter this afternoon. During that, he mentioned that 20% of the crypto market cap is hiding in stable coins right now. And obviously, if and when that flows back into Bitcoin, that will be huge. Uh, he said that if we truly follow the last cycle, he doesn't think we will see the bottom until November or so. And that would seem pretty consistent with me. to, to me. Uh, he did say, you know, a lot of people are calling the bottom and there's only one way to be sure. And that is that once we do hit the bottom, um, if you follow the cycle, that traditionally within six months, the price of Bitcoin will double. So if this really was an accelerated cycle, if this really was the bottom, as some have claimed, uh, we would need to see Bitcoin climb up to 36000 around 36k in the next six months to verify that. Um, but again, he thinks that we're going to be uh, in a bear market until at least November and that things could get a lot uglier price-wise. And 
that doesn't seem unreasonable because uh, while that does mean going below the previous all-time high, uh, which had never happened before, uh, it's still consistent with having an 80% drawdown after the all-time high. I think two things are different this cycle. I think, personally, I think that... um, that we could have easily hit 100,000 this last cycle, but that the top was manipulated. We saw an early pump with the Elon Tesla um, pump when Bitcoin made its first all-time high of 63,000. And then when he backtracked, we saw a collapse. Uh, There was all kinds of FUD and manipulation going on, you know, the China banning miners FUD. Uh, It was all incredibly well-timed to kind of nip the top off. Um, So we had a $63,000 high, a crash, and then a $69,000 high. And if we had not had an early run-up and all that FUD, it's not unreasonable at all to think we would have gone up to 100000 or so. And then if we had dropped down to eighty, that would have been right where we should have been, somewhere right around twenty. Um, but we didn't. So um, that being the case, if Bitcoin does continue to follow history for the remainder of the cycle, uh, we can go down quite a bit still. Uh, we could get down into the teens easily again and stay there through the fall. And of course, if the U.S. economy crashes and the government continues actually tightening and raising rates um, and the economy goes into a massive recession or even a depression, then anything goes. But the one thing that is for sure is that in the long term, uh, Bitcoin will win. I have that. I have no doubt. If you're here and you're listening, you have strong hands and you probably agree with me. So this is a buying opportunity and I'm going to keep buying all the way down. We're going to keep dollar cost averaging. I'm going to keep buying the dips. And uh, as Adam Meister did say, Saturday was the worst day Bitcoin has ever seen. It was completely unprecedented. It would have been the equivalent to if during the last cycle we had gone down to 1300 uh, for the bottom. So quote, if you survived this, you've got strong hands. Congratulations. You can consider yourself a veteran now. Uh, and I concur. That does not, however, mean we don't have a ways to go still. So keep those strong hands. Remember, um, this is an opportunity to accumulate Bitcoin. A few months ago, uh, I was scared that I was never going to be able to reach my Bitcoin goal because it was just getting so expensive that I was never going to be able to get the, the stack as many sats as I had wanted to. It didn't mean I wasn't going to keep accumulating. But um, as I mentioned last week, this is just a gift. This is your opportunity to stack those sats that you thought you weren't going to get a chance to stack. So that is why we're here and we're going to continue to do so by dollar cost averaging. And if you're just joining us and you don't know what DCA is, DCA or dollar cost averaging is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. We started this journey uh, all the way back on July 28th of last year. Our equal portion is $20 and our regular interval is Wednesday. How you stack is completely up to you. Do your own research. We chose $20 because it's not very much money to the average listener of this podcast. It's something that we think pretty much anybody should be able to come come up with on a weekly basis. Obviously, there are those who could come up with a lot more. So you pick an amount that you feel comfortable investing every week or every day or whatever time frame you choose. Some people choose to invest daily. Some people can DCA. They de- some people choose to DCA every paycheck, which might be every Friday or every other Friday for you. But pick that interval that works for you and pick that amount, and um, and 
and be consistent. And that's the important thing about dollar cost averaging. Today is going to be our 48th stack. As we've mentioned, we've stacked a total of 47 times beginning on Wednesday, July 28th of last year. Stacking those 48, stacking those 47 times has earned us 2,000, correction, 2,165,276 sats at an average cost basis of $43,412.48. Obviously, Bitcoin is worth significantly less than that. But it is too early to judge because dollar cost averaging is a long-term play. And the nice thing about DCA is that we're continuing to lower that average cost basis because while we bought the highs, we're also buying the lows. And hopefully we're going to stack today at one of the cheapest prices we've stacked um, during this experiment. Also, we did start our DCA um, journey halfway between the two tops of the bull cycle, of the bull run. So... Um, right now that means we've bought more Bitcoin when it was expensive than we've had on the, the bear market on the way down. But as Adam Meister again says, the, you know, the 210,000 block theory that, um, if you take the price of Bitcoin at any point in time and you go back in time, 210,000 blocks, which is approximately four years at no point has Bitcoin ever been more expensive at that past date than it is at the, in the future date. So using that that logic, four years from now, Bitcoin will be worth more than it is. And four years from tomorrow, Bitcoin will be worth more than it is tomorrow. Uh, And again, I don't plan on selling my Bitcoin anytime soon. They say that you should plan on holding Bitcoin for at least one full halving cycle. That's at least four years. Um, But the news stories you always hear about people that made a fortune on Bitcoin is it's always quote, if you bought, if you had purchased Bitcoin 10 years ago and you'd only invested $1,000, you'd have X number of dollars by now. So that 10-year horizon is probably what really should be your minimum horizon. Again, that is up to you. Myself and a lot of Bitcoin maxis actually never plan on selling our Bitcoin. Ideally, 10 years from now, you'll be able to make the purchases you need in Bitcoin instead of actually selling Bitcoin. Um, But whatever the case may be, Uh, We are going to keep adding to that stack, and we are going to do so by using the Cash App. And the reason we use the Cash App is because I think it's probably the easiest way to stack small amounts of Bitcoin. Uh, You use whatever app you feel comfortable using. But if Cash App is available to you and you don't already have the Cash App, we do have a referral code in the show notes. Uh, It's not a custom referral code, so it's kind of an alphabet soup So instead of trying to spell it out for you, I just put a link in the show notes. And if you're watching the video version, you should see the link popping up on the screen. Uh, You'll still have to scroll down and click on the link in the show notes. But if you use that link, you'll get $5 free just for signing up. And we will get $5 as well. And that'll help us out. That'll help us both out. So you'll get free money and we'll get free money. And who can argue with that, right? So we're going to open up the handy dandy cash app. I normally don't keep money on Cash App, but I did buy the dip earlier today, which we don't include our dip purchases in this podcast because I want to keep this data pristine. Uh, If we had included the dip purchases, our average cost basis would be even lower than, than what we're considering it. But the idea of this podcast is to show whether or not dollar cost averaging is useful, if it's a helpful investment strategy when it comes to Bitcoin. And so um, while we would encourage you to buy the dip, and we bought the dip, we're not including that in our in our stack. But I already have cash in my cash app, which is unusual. 
for me. Normally, I uh, like to add it when I purchase, and that's okay because Cash App will let you add that money instantly. They'll let you use it instantly. They'll let you withdraw your Bitcoin instantly. That's another thing that Cash App will let you do that other uh, exchanges won't. Uh, some exchanges will make you wait five to seven days before you can purchase Bitcoin with the money, even if you wire them a bank transfer. Uh, and those that will let you spend your money immediately oftentimes will lock that Bitcoin up and won't let you transfer it until they guarantee that that um, wire transfer actually did settle. Uh, and Cash App doesn't do that. So uh, I normally don't keep cash on my Cash App, but I already have it today because, like I said, I had purchased the dip earlier and was uh, keeping some dry powder on there in case it went lower. All right. So all I need to do now is hit the Bitcoin logo in the bottom right-hand corner. Hit buy, enter $20, and boom, just like that, we have purchased an extra 97,999 sats, making the making that the most sats we have ever scored for just our $20 investment. Um, and that is going to bring our stack up to 2,263,275 sats. And lower our dollar cost average, or correction, lower our average cost basis by almost $1,000. Our average cost basis had been $43,412.48. It's now $42,416.41. That's $996 that we've reduced that average cost basis. So last week we reduced our average cost basis by $922. And as long as Bitcoin stays down or keeps going down, we're going to keep stacking. And that's going to make our average purchase price lower and lower, which means when Bitcoin does go back up, um, we'll be more profitable. Uh, of course, if Bitcoin does hit that $1 million moon one day, our current stack would, have, would be worth $22,632.75. And there is no way uh, for anyone to say that that would not be one heck of a return. Uh, for just the uh, $960 that we've invested so far. So who knows where Bitcoin will be in four years, in eight years, or 10 years. But if you think Bitcoin will hit a million dollars one day, then uh, any price you're purchasing at below, um, any per anything you purchase below a million dollars is a good deal. Uh, even that $69,000 all-time high we had would have been a good deal because, um, like I said, uh Bitcoin tends to run in those four-year cycles, and uh, it's if it continues to do so, uh, and if you believe like I believe that one day we're going to see a hundred thousand dollar Bitcoin, and then we're going to see a million dollar Bitcoin, and was it Hal Finney or Satoshi Nakamoto? I think it was Hal Finney who uh, very early on estimated that you know if you if, if Bitcoin really took took off, and if a significant portion of the world started using it as a reserve currency or a or their or or their or their um, base investment that it wouldn't be unusual. Un it would not be out of the question for Bitcoin to one day hit ten million dollars a coin. I don't make price predictions. All I know is that I think that Bitcoin has a long way to go because only a small percentage of the people that could benefit from using Bitcoin have even heard about it. Maybe in the maybe in the United States it isn't early, but. There's a lot of the rest of the world that is not in the United States. Uh, you know, we saw Bitcoin adopted as legal tender in El Salvador, but that was just one tiny country. Then we saw it adopted as legal tender in the Central African Republic, but that law hasn't even gone into effect yet. Uh, 
but that's also a relatively small country. All it's going to take is one country like, you know, not even India, but man, can you imagine a country like India where it became adopted as a legal legal tender? And that's a country with significantly more population than the United States and Europe put together. Um, The point being, there's a whole lot of people who Bitcoin could be tremendously beneficial for who haven't even had the opportunity to get in yet. So Bitcoin has a long way to go, in my opinion. And we're probably going to see a bear market for a while. If this runs like the last, hopefully this won't be like the last, the last having cycle where the bear market lasted over a year. But on the flip side, if it does, that means we've got a year to lower our average cost basis and keep stacking those cheap sats. And we are going to do so every Wednesday, whether Bitcoin goes to zero, whether Bitcoin hits the moon, or whether you just get bored and stop listening. So until then... Keep stacking those sats, and thanks for listening. Hey, if you've been enjoying this episode, if you'd like to see us do more, if you'd like to help us out, if you'd like to help us contribute to that stack, there are a number of ways you can support this episode. The uh, easiest way is, as you know, when we do stack on DCA Wednesdays, we do Cash App. We use the Cash App. Uh, Cash App is not a sponsor of the show. We don't get any money for using Cash App, Uh, but... We do have a referral code uh, referral code link in the show notes, and if you don't have Cash App and you sign up using that Cash App referral link, you'll get $5 free for signing up, and we'll get 5 bucks, and that'll help as well. I've also written a couple of books. The one that is most appropriate to this podcast is uh, Understanding Bitcoin for Noobs, and that is available at Amazon or barnesandnoble.com, and of course, if you purchase that book, uh, that will help us out as well. Uh, you can also sponsor us, you can also, uh, not sponsor us, but you can also contribute to uh, the podcast directly uh, through anchor.fm, and there is a link again in the show notes to do that as well, and hopefully one day soon you will even be able to tip us sats on Twitter, um, and we do have a base 32 uh, Bitcoin address in the show notes as well, if you would like to help us out by contributing Bitcoin. Again, Uh, We don't have any sponsors. Uh, I'm doing this show because I think it's a lot of fun and I want to help spread my knowledge and experiences to the masses. So we're happy to do this for free. But if you do feel like you are getting some value out of listening to the podcast and would like to help us out, or even if you would just like to help us make sure we can continue uh, DCAing on Wednesdays, uh, you can help support us in any one of those ways. Again, thank you for listening and keep stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers.